Welcome to Piano Rhapsody, an amateur's guide to classical piano. This is a podcast where you follow my journey as an amateur piano player, striving to play Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue one day. Every week we take a look at one of the pieces that I encounter along this road, exploring the history surrounding the work and analyzing the music within. If you always wanted to get into classical music but didn't know where to start, this is your welcome mat. The idea is that every week we gain a little more knowledge and appreciation to tackle more difficult works in the future, all the way until we reach Rhapsody in Blue. This is episode 8.2, the second episode in a spotlight on composer Eric Satie, a prime influencer in the post-romantic period. Last week, we talked a bit about Satie's early life and one of his first and most famous works, the three gymnopédies. During the previous episode, we also spent some time talking about the origin of that unusual French title. This week, we're going to explore another unique French word and look into a work that Satie titled Anocien. This is another one of Satie's well-known works that you may recognize not by its name, but by its melody. This time, Satie did make up the title. Nocien is derived from the Greek word gnosis, meaning knowledge. Satie wrote six nociens for solo piano. The first three were published as a set, called Trois Nociens, in 1893. The movement of Gnosticism was making headway across Europe at this time, and Satie was involved in a Gnostic sect known as the Kabbalistic Order of Rosicrucian, a cult for artists, writers, and musicians. He thought it would be a welcoming place to spread his music to like-minded bohemian types, and even composed a song for the organization. He ended up falling out of favor with the cult leader, however, and decided to start his own sect in 1893, and he called it the Metropolitan Church of Arts of Jesus the Conductor. And believe it or not, he was the only member. This was the same year that he wrote the Nocien, one of which will break down a little later in this episode. But starting his own one-man cult only scratches the surface of the peculiar character of Eric Satie. So let's take some time to run through some of the eccentricities of this famous avant-garde composer. Along with composing, Satie was also a fairly prolific writer. In his Memoirs of an Amnesiac, he describes his daily routine in detail. An artist must organize his life, he says. I rise at 7.18 a.m., inspired from 10.23 to 11.47. I lunch at 12.11 and leave the table at 12.14. A healthy ride on horseback round my domain follows from 1.19 p.m. to 2.53 p.m., Another bout of inspiration from 3.12 to 4.07 p.m. From 4.27 to 6.47 p.m. Various occupations, fencing, reflection, immobility, visits, contemplation, dexterity, natation, etc. Dinner is served at 7.16 and finished at 7.20 p.m. From 8.09 to 9.59 p.m. Symphonic readings out loud. I go to bed regularly at 10.37 p.m. Once a week, I wake up with a start at 3.19 on Tuesdays. 
it's quite specific, isn't it? It's not so much the content as it is the precision that makes this passage eccentric. And the fact that Sati is an unusually fast eater, only allowing himself three minutes for lunch and four minutes for dinner. You know, you gotta make time for that symphonic reading out loud. Speaking of eating, if his daily schedule wasn't strange enough for you, then this should win you over. Sati's diet was one of the most peculiar things about the man, and it all revolved around his favorite color, white. He only ate foods that were white, and he listed them in his memoirs. Eggs, sugar, grated bones, fat of dead animals, veal, salt, coconuts, chicken cooked in white water, fruit mold, rice, turnips, camphorated sausages, pastry, cheese, white cheese, of course, cotton salad, talk about dry mouth, and fish, and I'm guessing that excludes salmon. To wash down this white out of a meal, his drink of choice was boiled white wine mixed with fuchsia, which doesn't quite make sense to me because if I'm not mistaken, fuchsias are pink, or as the name implies, fuchsia. Sati claimed he was a healthy eater, and he never spoke while eating for fear of choking to death. The white obsession also led to bizarre meals, like when he once ate an omelet made of 50 egg whites, or that time he ate 150 oysters in one sitting. You know, I could smell the GI distress from here, and I'm a hundred years in the future. As you might imagine, Siti had an unusual fashion sense as well. In 1895, he bought seven identical corduroy suits, one for each day of the week, and he wore them for 10 years straight. During this time, he was nicknamed the Velvet Gentleman. To go along with this monothematic wardrobe, upon his death, Satie's landlord found over 100 umbrellas in his apartment. He could also be seen regularly wearing a hammer wherever he went, which he said he carried for his own protection. What can I say? The Velvet Gentleman liked to accessorize. But let's bring the focus back around to his musical eccentricities for a moment, including arguably one of the most eccentric compositions ever written, Satie's work, Vexations. Vexations is a one-page work with the instruction to be repeated 840 times, timing out a complete performance anywhere from 16 to 28 hours. Of course, the timing depends greatly on how quickly you play the piece. Satie includes a note. In order to play the theme 840 times in succession, it would be advisable to prepare oneself beforehand, and in the deepest silence, through serious immobility. To no one's surprise, Satie never performed this work publicly. There isn't a clear answer as to why Satie even wrote this in the first place. Some say it was just to cement his eccentric personality, 
while others say it may have been a way to cope with the breakup from the only love of his life. Regardless, I'm not that interested in mental abuse like this. But if you are intrigued and have, you know, 16 hours to kill, a pianist named Igor Levitt performed the entire work recently during quarantine. I think you could still find the recording on YouTube. He said he was, and I quote, high as a monkey afterwards. I imagine that kind of repetition puts you in some kind of altered state. And that wasn't the only piece of Satie's that drew some raised eyebrows. Let me list some of the titles of Satie's other works. Two Preludes for a Dog, Sketches and Annoyances of a Big Man in the Woods, Sea Cucumber, Muscular Fantasy, Do Not Drink Your Chocolate with Your Fingers, Rat Air, Spleen, and the classic, Do Not Put Your Head Under Your Arm. Now, why did Satie select such weird titles for his work? Possibly to vex and frustrate his audience. Or possibly because he thought they were just slight works, and this was his way of dismissing them. But let's get back to one of Satie's celebrated works, the first of his six Nocien. This is also one of Satie's most famous compositions. There's a pretty good chance you've heard it somewhere. I dug up a few instances of it popping up in pop culture. In movies, like in Hugo, Man on Wire, The Painted Veil, and Chocolat. And in television shows, like Mr. Robot, the short-lived Kelsey Grammer series, Boss, and once again, in the recent series, The Queen's Gambit. You know, best stepmother? Apparently a big Satie fan. This is another slow, plodding, highly repetitive work that is heavy on atmosphere. Instead of the triple meter from the Gymnopédie, however, the Nocien employs a common 4-4 feel. But like typical Satie, he just has to do something weird. If you look up the sheet music for this piece, you'll notice that Satie did not include a meter or any bar lines. It's the musical equivalent of writing a story without using any punctuation. It gives off the vibe of one continuous sentence or flow. This piece could actually be compared to a conversation, or a debate, between three people. Part A, or person number one, starts the piece out in F minor. It's a little uncertain, with a part that ends in an ascending phrase, which suggests this voice is asking a question. The second person is the main voice heard throughout the piece that dominates the conversation. The key changes to the subdominant, or the fourth tone of the scale. So since we started in F minor, that would take us to F, G, A, then B flat minor. This voice is more assured, with a descending line that sounds more steady and complete. This voice seems to be the know-it-all who answers the questions of the other two voices. 
And finally, we have Part C, the third person in this conversation. Part C brings a return to the F minor key, and is the most uncertain, wavering voice of them all. It also feels like the most dreamy part of the piece. And that's all there really is to this piece. Satie weaves these three voices to make a sort of conversation or a debate. He opens it with the first person asking a question, then the second person answers. Then the third person asks a question, and the second person answers once again. The second person dominates the conversation and provides finality to each question posed by the other two people. Satie manages to use these three short ideas and through repetition and organization, stretches this piece into three and a half minutes without boring us to tears. A seed of minimalism right here. Keep that in mind for the future. So let's listen to this conversation play out. See if you can distinguish the three players and pick out the dominant second voice. Here's Eric Satie's first no CN.
Did that sound familiar to you? If you haven't heard it before, I bet you'll hear it sometime when you least expect it. I was actually just watching TV last week and heard an insurance commercial with Gymnopédie No. 1 in the background. Settees everywhere. You'll probably hear these pieces around. Next week, we're going to close out the spotlight on Settee with another one of his most popular works, a waltz called J'étais vous. You can find the standalone recording of this work directly in the podcast feed. If you'd like to hear all the recordings from this podcast, check out Piano Rhapsody on SoundCloud. You'll find all of them there, and some bonus tracks that we've never talked about on this podcast. If you'd like to reach out to me, you can find me on Twitter at Piano Rhapsody, or email me at pianorhapsodypodcast at gmail.com. If you haven't already, please hit the subscribe button on your podcast player. It's the easiest way to make sure you never miss a new episode. Thanks as always for your time and your ears. And remember to keep on your strict diet of cotton salads and fruit mold.